Welcome back to Library Land Loves. I'm Michelle Arbuckle. Today's topic is one that I think reaches across all sectors to all corners of Library Land. I'm talking with Dr. Michael Stevens. Michael is a professor at the School of Information at San Jose State University. And he has very likely delivered a keynote or a workshop in a city very near to you. He's been speaking on topics related to creative library services for over 20 years now. I think the first time I heard him actually was at the 2007 OLA conference. He teaches the hyperlinked library class, which he describes as humanism masquerading as a technology course. Recently, Michael has been presenting with Stacy Ledden from the Anythink Library System on Finding Joy. They presented at the PLA conference, and that workshop, along with his article on wholehearted librarianship, is the basis of our conversation today. We are talking about empathy, why it's important, and how to develop your empathy muscles. And then we get into a related topic, compassion fatigue, and how the work that we do requires us to take care of ourselves, to step out of our work roles, take time for dreaming, and find joy in our lives and our work. Before we get into this conversation, I want to make one pitch for those who are interested in the topic of empathy. This coming Thursday, November 24th, OLA is hosting a two-hour workshop called Empathic Public Libraries. It's not specific to public libraries in any way. In fact, I think this topic is pretty universal. So if you're interested in delving deeper into empathy and helping your colleagues develop these skills, then please join us. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So now over to my conversation with Dr. Michael Stevens. Michael, the first thing I want to talk to you about is empathy. And I'd like for you to tell us a little bit about what empathy is, why you think it's important, why it's something that library land should be paying more attention to. I think it's one of the things that we can build our uh, customer service, user service, patron services around is understanding what other people may be going through. Uh, and that may help us overall uh, understand the services we provide, uh, what we might add uh, to things like the community closet at uh, the library in, in Lansing, Michigan, where if you need something, you go in and take it. Um, it, it to me, it's, it's a way to understand the folks we are serving. And it is also uh, what we might call one of the librarian superpowers is understanding or being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And that goes back to the, the, the finding joy stuff that wrapped all around that is this idea that if we think about how we might instill joy in the people we serve, we have to have a certain level of understanding of where they might be coming from. All different kinds of people, all walks of life, everything. And one of the things we did at that PLA session that I'm thrilled about is uh, we captured as many of the ideas as that huge, loud crowd uh, put it, they, they wrote them down for us and, and uh, we had them uh, transcribed. Stacy took care of that. And they're actually available uh, online. I've shared them with my classes. We put them out uh, to uh, library Twitter, etc. Uh, so, for example, 
um, just looking at those real quick, real, real quick, sorry. Uh, one person said, our community garden is sparking a lot of joy right now from its inceptions. Patrons have excited questions, participate enthusiastically, and generously share their time to grow vegetables for a local food pantry. Now think about that. There's a lot going on there. That We're providing food and we're thinking about people that are hungry. And there might even be some people working on the garden that benefit from those vegetables that find their way to the pantry, or maybe they're given away at the library proper. I, that, that, that's just so encouraging to me as well. And I, I probably have said before that anything related to food and culinary and nutrition literacy in libraries is just so uh, interesting to me right now. Uh, another one, uh, sharing stories with each other, Adults create stories that might be added to the collection, telling our stories like what was life like when I was a kid. And that's that whole idea of going back and telling stories about folks' lives. Uh, absolutely. I'm listening to uh, one of the banned books, which I'm trying to listen to as many banned books as I can get my hands on. It's called Beyond Magenta, and it's about the lives of trans people, and it is touching and heartfelt and I wish I would have had access to a book like that to read and understand 20 years ago when we had a trans individual come into the public library and no one really knew what to do. Mm-hmm. And it was very, and now it just, it just still kind of breaks my heart. I wish, mm-hmm. I wish I could go back and fix that back then. The incredible power of storytelling keeps mm-hmm. coming up mm-hmm. and how stories build empathy. They help us relate to the human experience. They are just such an important lesson in getting us to understand each other. I don't right. think it can be understated. Yeah. Right. And that working on that internally with your department or with your staff as a whole or at a library staff day. And I've done a few library staff days um, this fall that that's actually been a topic of discussion. And Mm -hmm. you ask for examples and the hands go up from staff members that here's, here's what we do at the branch because we discovered that people are this or that. They need this. They need that. And we help them. It's amazing. I love that. And really getting to understand each other, you know, the OLA staff is a pretty small team. We're 13 people, but we've been working remote now for a couple of years. We're fully mm-hmm. remote now. We don't have an office anymore. And, mm-hmm. and we were finding as new people were coming on board, it was hard to build relationships over Zoom, you know, the, to build right. the trust, to understand where people were coming from, what their lives were. So we've started out every staff meeting with a prompt. Everyone has to answer the same prompt. And it's just like a reflection, a story. Literally last week, it was such a simple prompt. It was, how do you feel about plants? It's like house plants. (laughs) Just (laughs) super basic. But everyone had a story. We were laughing. They were sharing stories about their parents and, you know, how they grew up with plants or not, how they killed everything they touched. It's just such a humanizing experience. Right. Absolutely. I love that idea. I will use that for future Zooms. That is wonderful. How do you feel about plants? It's free for the taking, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) So on the flip side of empathy is 
something called compassion fatigue, which you've talked about before. And the idea that the service that we provide um, can affect us as individuals in negative ways. And you've talked about, you know, ways to combat that. I'm just curious, tell me more about your interest in this topic, kind of where it came from, how it relates to empathy and to library land. Well, it, it actually goes back to, well, I've always, I've said, have balance. I've always said, strike a balance, always be balanced because we never want to be all things all the time, like all libraries all the time. Although I'm guilty of that. And actually in this piece that we're talking about, um, I mentioned you do not have to live and breathe libraries 24 hours a day. But a few years ago, 2018, I was in Australia doing a visiting professor and doing um, a keynote at a conference. And it was uh, early in the morning, jet lag still uh, setting in. And I was out walking on the beach. We were on the East Coast, sun's coming up, it was beautiful. And I fell in with library folk because that's what you do at a conference is you sort mm-hmm. of, you see your know, people in your group, you can tell, and you're like, oh, let's talk a little bit. And I talked to a librarian who said, yeah, this was her, her uh, ritual to walk in the morning before a day of learning and a day of you know being being immersed in the conference and you know for some of us that are super introverted to being with people all day long so she said we have to this is my way of taking care of myself and i was like wow yeah that's right and that's i guess that's what i'm doing too and i became so aware of what we do to take care of ourselves and then a little bit later at this session uh, for ALA, uh, somebody mentioned compassion fatigue, which is, you know, how much of ourselves can we give in the, what I call the ultimate service profession uh, without it taking a personal toll? And and uh, doing, you know, all the things we do in programming and at our service desks, that can like wear somebody out. And then, the pandemic came and it became even more important to like my job did not change through the pandemic but it did i've i've taught online 100% since 2011 it nothing changed but everything changed because we were all dealing with our own personal thing my students in my classes, like, oh, well, they're online students, they can handle this. When a lot of universities, the faculty were told, oh, in one week, you have to be back and teach online. And some faculty are like, what? How do we do that? But it, it struck me that even though we knew how to do it, and the students knew how to do it, on both sides, professors and students, we were exhausted, mentally drained. You know, for me, just going to the grocery store was you know, something out of the Andromeda strain or whatever. It was, you yeah. suited up and you went. And now it seems like a distant, a distant thing that, that that even happened. So I realized I was signing off on so many things. Take care of yourself. Let's make sure we're, we're, we're giving time to take care of ourselves. And that's how it sort of found its way into this piece that I wrote for Public Libraries Magazine on burnout and how to sort of balance that out. I hope, I hope we take a lot of these things with us. 
Yeah. Like how we coped and what we learned and how we should treat each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope those things go with us. The way I dealt with it the best, I think, was service to other folks, like to helping friends nearby, neighbors, working with my students, whatever I could do to feel like I was helping somebody made me feel like I could get through too. Yeah. Yeah, the Zoom happy hours, the socials, we did a, um, a, a what was it, a podcast club with our crew. Oh, and, right. you know, the way that strikes me when I hear stories about how staff were treated during the pandemic is mm-hmm. how did the administration, how did the um, expectations of work change? You know, were you still at home having to get every single item checked off on your list? Did your workload lessen or stay the same or increase and those demands and what administration expected of people i think really reflected on how they responded in terms of you know taking care of themselves and burnout and that kind of thing and i think the encouragement of those creative endeavors is such an important part of taking care of your staff like outside of the work that is demanded of them and you talk about this in in the article that you Mm -hmm. that you wrote in your presentation on um, offering staff creative outlets. I wonder if you can speak to, you know, why is that important? What should, what should administration be doing in terms of uh, creativity? Well, and, and okay, and to, to kind of move on from the pandemic, but it is such a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these things can carry along too because we saw a lot of really creative things happen uh, during that time when people were locked down. I, a colleague of mine from the public library days was doing adult story, adult story times on Saturday nights in his basement. So interesting. But to, to, to bring that forward, one of the ways that I argue that we can help balance out burnout, compassion fatigue, whatever we want to call it, is to give staff that, that sort of creative outlet that flexing those right brain muscles uh, that sometimes don't get used as much as they should when we're doing the day-to-day stuff. There's a, a, an example I absolutely love that just popped up um, just in the last few days from St. Joseph County Public Library, where I worked for almost 15 years. It's, a, a kind, it's called the Kindness Machine. And it is a vending machine. And I love this. And I love that they sat in a room and talked about this and conceived this idea or somebody presented it to them and they're doing it. But it is like those vending machines you see, you know, at the at the airport or whatever. And it will vend you a little box. And in the box is a little card that tells you to do something nice for somebody else. And the one in the example that they put on their Instagram stories was... Uh, send a text to someone you know who is struggling. That to me is so beautiful on so many levels that, yeah, because if I said that to you, maybe for just a second in your brain, you thought of, oh, I would text blank. Mm -hmm. I just thought that too. I would text blank. Um, And how nice that would be for them to receive that. What a great idea. Uh, So allowing that time, and it shouldn't even be allowed, it should be expected and encouraged uh, to try newer things, creative twists on services that we're providing in libraries, or doing that, that just that added thing, like a bit of art, a bit of, of 
poetry reading or whatever it might be that is out of the norm that might, to use another concept I've been talking a lot about lately, that might uh, create joy in someone's life. And Stacey Ledden from Anything Libraries and I have been sort of on the road a bit doing Finding Joy. Mm -hmm. uh, we did it at PLA in person in, um, uh, in March. Okay, and this is related get it okay they put us in the big room and i'm like why are we in the big room you're superstars uh, well i don't know about that but we're like oh my goodness and we're you know we we masks were uh mandatory at this conference mm -hmm. so we're all masked up and everything and we had a thousand people in this room and we did our little thing and really it was about them doing a creative exercise and we said okay go go forth and the the noise that came up in this huge ballroom. Stacey and I were both, I think we were both kind of like a little weepy at just yeah. how, how amazing it was. And what it said to me is there was at that time, and there probably still is, pent up creative energy for us to talk to each other about how we can energize services, how we can do something different, how we can help people feel better, happier, more content, and that they feel like they belong. It was it was a big deal. And um, I, I see it going on. I see little things. I've been involved in some things. I've done some online stuff talking to libraries where we've done similar creative exercises. And I can really tell people want to to talk about these things and come up with ideas that, that kind of sparks their own joy yeah it's it's so it's so important as someone who manages people i mean it's one of those things that i hope my team feels empowered or allowed or i don't know what the word is mm -hmm. but feels as though or knows that i would encourage that so i'm wondering you know for other people who are managers and administrators what are things we should do to make sure our staff do feel like they have permission or space in order to engage in those kinds of kinds of things? Well, I think it should be formalized. I think it should be part of job descriptions that there will be some time spent on uh, individual learning. I, I can't tell you where I was. I might even have been at OLA. Um, we were in a room and somebody said, oh, I was talking about you got to give people time to, to learn. And somebody raised their hand and said, at our library, we give every staff member 30 minutes a week to do whatever they want to do, to learn. Even if it's watching YouTube videos about something they're interested in, it is still encouraging them to learn and to think and to just be encouraged in the workplace. So I think that's... That's an important consideration and we can dance around, well, could it be 30 minutes a week? Should it be an hour a month or whatever? But it should be something and really, yeah. come on. <laughs> it, shouldn't, it shouldn't just be like trooping off to a little professional development thing once a quarter or whatever. But if it's built into job descriptions to do uh, some, some creative endeavors or to be a part of a committee that looks at new ideas or, or changes or does trend spotting or any of the things that we might we might uh, bring forth just to get people thinking about stuff differently. 
I think that is a really good step. And for the managers and the admin folk listening, absolutely, it should be part of what an employee does. They can't just come in and do the same thing every single day. I also believe in the cross-functional team thing to get people from all over the institution in the room doing strategic planning and talking about things and, uh, for example, dreaming. (laughs) Just giving the staff the okay to do a little bit of dreaming daydreaming or dreaming or whatever and i've been i've been quoting my favorite song i'm going to do it here because i have a little captive audience at this podcast (laughs) um fleetwood mac sarah 1979 all i ever wanted was to know that you were dreaming i have a slide i put that up in the room uh just out in washington state i did it last week Uh, all i ever wanted was to know that you were dreaming and that is a really and truly a big part of it if we give space to dream or room to dream which was, I believe, David Lynch's autobiography, which is over here on on the shelf. If we give staff room to dream, I think that gives them space to say, yeah, I'm encouraged, I'm nurtured, Mm -hmm. I can grow here. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. I mean, I can hear right now a number of library managers that I know saying, How do I demonstrate return on investment for this? How do I demonstrate if my staff are taking, Mm -hmm. I'm putting 30 minutes in the week that says dream or learn, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, uh, am I then saying, and we're going to all come back and we're going to talk about what we learned? Like, is that defeating the purpose of going off and doing what you want? Or does it help to have them all then come back together and share what they dreamed and learned about? Yeah, and I, I'd be all for yeah. that. And maybe yeah. it could be a quarterly thing or it could be uh, any, any even using technology, maybe to do a little something, a little journal or a short little video or whatever that maybe not every time. Let's not let's not be that thumbs down right um like on the desk um but and and i okay i'll take a little tangent and i'll come back to it i am so impressed with my students right now uh they are like i've told them they can do whatever they want for their blogging in class so some are doing podcasts some are doing video like vlogs and I'm just so impressed with this. The students aren't shy and they're not like, oh, I can't. I don't want to be on video. I don't want to be on video. Yeah, yeah. That, that let somebody record a three or four minute video. Here's what I learned this quarter that I'm really excited about. I learned about the kindness machine at St. Joe County. And I learned that such and such is happening at this library. And I found out about this technology trend. It's interesting. You mentioned early in the conversation the idea of not having to live and breathe libraries every moment of the day. And, you know, that part of your article resonated almost too closely with me. Um, and, but I, you know, I saw myself in this statement and I'm just wondering, tell us a little bit more about what that meant for you. What, what did the moment look like when you came upon that realization yourself? Like, oh, I, this is not all of me. It, it took a while. It, and I was busy. I was busy from like 2005 to 2015, really, just going yeah. and going. And there were a few times where I got home from the airport and had to be back the next morning. And I was, <laughs> I was younger then because that was a while ago. And 
now I think, I don't know if I would want to do that. And I, I started uh, counseling uh, up and coming folks that I saw, you know, coming behind me and coming behind mm-hmm. all of us that had our voices kind of heard back in the day. And I said, D- please take care of yourself. Do not, do not burn yourself out to like mm-hmm. go to the next thing and be at the next conference and do the next talk. And I hope, I, I think it was well received for the folks that I s- said that to. But then, I don't know exactly what it was, but it was in the last few years as I, well, as I uh, got tenure, very, I love my job, absolutely love teaching. Uh, now I'm, I can say, yeah, I love to, to go out and talk to a library staff. I just did that last week. It was great. I'll do it again soon. But it is so nice to be at home. And I'm very lucky to work from home. And it is so nice to take the dogs and just go for an hour walk with a book in my head, listening. Um, yeah. And that, and I don't, I and I don't have that racing mind now. Of like, I have to write a blog post. I have to put something witty on social media. I have to do all this stuff because I have to keep going. I have to keep going. No, and maybe yeah. that comes with age. I will be fifty-eight in May, so maybe that's that comes when you hit this point, but. I'm, I'm thrilled. I love it. Michael, to be a student in your class, <laughs> I can't imagine I'm so excited for the future generation yes. of library yes. people. I think yeah. all of these lessons that we've learned over the past few years have gone um, in such a direction that I really hope makes working conditions better for them, makes living conditions better for them, not just working, but them as people uh, in the world. Because I I think everything you've talked about today, everything in the article is, is about, you know, being a better human, having Mm -hmm. a better human experience and, uh, you know, being excited about the work you do as a professional in this community and still loving that work, but knowing that you have to stop to feed the rest of your life. I think that's so Absolutely. amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much Yay. for all of the work that you do. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you so much to Dr. Michael Stevens for his time. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation and that it's given you some time and some prompts to think about how you incorporate concepts like empathy, compassion, fatigue, and self-care into your own work and into the work of the team at your library. I hope that we'll see you at the Empathy Workshop this Thursday. Otherwise, I'll talk to you soon. Take care.